celebrate Recovery Sunday. Um, I've personally been a part of this program for over two years now, and it's a program that is very close to my heart, uh, and it's a program that uh, is close to my family's heart, and, and it has changed my life, and it's been a vehicle that has strengthened my walk with Christ. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Celebrate Recovery is a Bible-based, Christ-centered, 12-step program, in a nutshell. And it's a man-made program. Uh, man-made Celebrate Recovery. And the steps in Celebrate Recovery are man-made steps. And Celebrate Recovery is not really the true focus today. Those man-made steps are not really the true focus today. The focus today, as in any Sunday, is worship. But the focus today is where those man-made steps lead, which is to the healing grace and power of Jesus Christ. That's the focus this morning, and that's what we celebrate in CR. So today you'll hear the personal struggles of some of our church members and you'll hear how they came to celebrate recovery, and in the midst of those struggles, they found peace, and they found acceptance, and they found healing, and they found grace, and they found understanding. And if you ask any of these people today who are going to talk about their struggles, if you ask them where they found that healing and peace and grace and understanding, they did not find it in the steps. They found it through the power of Jesus Christ. Celebrate Recovery just gave them some tools that they needed to find it. So, for the visitors, uh, especially, I think it's important to say, especially before my formal CR introduction, I am not a preacher. Um, in fact, I'm a salesman, which for some of you is like the furthest thing from it or closest. I don't know. But in fact, this is only the third time I've been behind this pulpit and uh, never on a Sunday morning. So, and for all I know, it could be the last. Um, I don't know why they let me up here. This, I burnt myself on the iron this morning. I got tape on my tie. I'm basically a mess. But the point is, if I'm not your style, that's okay. If Just come back next week, and the gentleman that did the introduction, Toby Levering, will be back up here behind this pulpit doing a much more polished and better job of delivering his message. Um, so again, for visitors, and for those of you in the congregation that I haven't yet got the chance to meet, I'm Jeff Martin. I'm a firm believer in Jesus Christ, and He is walking with me through my struggles with anger, anxiety, alcohol abuse, and pride. Those are some personal struggles I face. Uh, throughout my life, He's also forgiven me for many other things and walked with me through many other struggles, including uh, overeating, jealousy, stealing, lying. Cheating, lust, envy, resentment, unwillingness to forgive, issues with control, guilt, fear, doubt, being in the midst of lost sinners and failing to discuss the gospel and failing to discuss Christ. And of course, the all-encompassing knowing the good that I ought to do and not doing it. By myself, I am an extremely weak human being. Are you guys uncomfortable? I'm uncomfortable. And, and if you're uncomfortable right now, you should be. It's not a comfortable thing to get up in front of people and talk about your own personal sin. And it shouldn't be. Sin is not something to be glorified. It's not something to be proud of. It's something to be ashamed of. 
And I've done things in my life that are shameful. I struggle in this life. And although sin isn't something to be glorified, and it's not something to be proud of, it is most definitely something to be confessed. And the Bible makes that very clear. In James 5.16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It's a really simple verse with really awesome results. The results of that verse are healing. Now, I'm sure to most of you, confessing uh, your sins and your struggles from a pulpit is, is a little bit over the top. And, and after having done that just a few seconds ago, I would be inclined to agree with you. But the text in James is pretty clear. We need to confess our sins to each other. And CR is an awesome way to do that anonymously with other Christians who are struggling and wanting to put this scripture into practice. All right, so this isn't about my struggles, and, and we know it's not about the man-made Celebrate Recovery, so let's move on. Let's move on to our struggles, which we know we all face. So for the, the past few weeks, Toby has done a very good job at laying out some very common struggles that we all face. And I'm sure most of you at one time or another in your life have faced at least one, if not all of these struggles, anger, guilt, fear, and doubt. So the question is, as Toby said, what do we do with these struggles? We all have them, so what do we do with them? Whether they're past struggles that you've overcame, whether they're present struggles that you currently have in your life, whether they are from loss or from something in your past that happened to you that you have no control over, but that is still affecting your life negatively. No matter what your struggle is, no matter what your issue is, what do we do with it now that we've established that we have it? And I'm going to answer that question the, the best way I know how, which is through the word and through my own experience with my struggles and through my experience with Celebrate Recovery. Um, and the first thing that we need to do, and, and, and this seems easy when I say it, because all of us will admit this, but we need to admit that we have struggles. And when I say that, I don't mean, oh, yeah, I'm a sinner. Yeah, I struggle. I mean specifically admit what you struggle with. About two years ago, give or take, I was at family camp, and they were asking for volunteers to help with Celebrate Recovery. And they said they needed group leaders. And I didn't know what Celebrate Recovery was. But at that point in my life, I had a desire to help people who were lost and broken. So I volunteered. Um, fast forward a, a few weeks later, I was walking into my first experience with a Celebrate Recovery step study. If I had known walking in there what I was about to get into, I would have ran 100 miles an hour in the other direction. Uh, but luckily, I didn't. So I sat down in a circle of about five or six guys, and the first guy who was deemed the group leader started to speak. And he started doing what I did to you when I first came in here, uh, came up here, making you all feel uncomfortable. And, and he started to just pour out all of these struggles and issues and sins and hurts and habits and hangups that he was dealing with. And it blew my mind and it started to go around the circle and I was like, well, maybe he's just a leader. Maybe he has to do that. But it started going around the circle and every other person started doing the same thing. And I realized that I was the only one there who had no idea what I had gotten myself into. Um, so it got around to me and I played along as best I could. And but to be honest with you, I was shocked. Because I didn't know that there was a place where men were getting together and, and, and sharing these types of things and participating in these types of activities. And I was overwhelmed because I believed that I had gotten myself into a commitment that I could not follow through with. I wasn't like these people. These people were really messed up. Right? 
First John 1, 8 through 10 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. That's a simple verse. If you'd have asked me on that night if I was without sin, I would have said, no, of course not. If I were to ask you tonight, if I were to take a poll, or today, if I were to take a poll and say, are you without sin? Everyone would have the right answer. The answer would be, no, I, I have sin in my life. But a lot of us act like we're without sin. I acted like it that first night of step study. I didn't even know what to say. It came around to me, and I didn't even know what to produce, what, what to say about my struggles. So if I flipped that around today, and if I walked up to you right now individually, and I asked you, what do you struggle with? A lot of you would take a long time to answer for various reasons. Some of you would take a long time to answer because you don't know me, and that's a rude question to ask somebody. Right? And that makes sense. I'll give that to you. Some of you, because of fear, because you know when I ask that question, what do you struggle with? Your struggles come immediately to your mind. But you don't want to share those struggles with another failing human being and expose your weaknesses because that means that failing human being can use those weaknesses. And some of you wouldn't be able to answer that question because you haven't really thought about it all that much. Your life's going pretty good. Kids are pretty good. Marriage is pretty good. Retirement's pretty good. Everything's looking great. You haven't taken the time to look and see if there's things that you could possibly remove from your life in order to get closer to God. But I can tell you this, no matter what the reason that you wouldn't want to answer that question or couldn't answer that question, we are all struggling. And that's because this is not paradise. This is earth. In John 16, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, I'll give you this. Maybe some of you out there only struggle with little bitty things. Like you eat too much ice cream or you accidentally go like one mile over the speed limit. Or some of you maybe are, you struggle with just being a perfectionist or something weird like that. And if that's true, that's fine. I doubt that's all you struggle with, but I'll take it. We'll start there. The point is, we can all agree that we all struggle. So moving on then, for those of you who haven't been through a step study and who haven't gone to Thursday Night CR on a regular basis, I encourage you, find one of these people these weird CR people who go all the time or who go through these step studies and ask them that same question. Take them aside and say, what do you struggle with? And I guarantee you that nine out of ten times they will rattle off three or four things very quickly. They know exactly what they struggle with. But be careful because they might throw the question right back at you. They know what they struggle with because they have analyzed their lives methodically and they have looked and they have identified these struggles in their life that they don't want to deal with anymore and they are seeking God's power to remove those things from their life so they have analyzed their lives methodically they have identified the things that they want removed from their lives and they are seeking God's power to do that that sounds like something that everybody in this room should be interested in doing. The second thing that you have to do with your struggles, and this is, this is more what, what today is about, is you have to share them. We all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We all have specific struggles. So going back to my first night of step study, I got over myself. Uh, I got out of denial, as they call it, in step study, and uh, I realized that I wasn't God. And I went through the steps, and I realized I had a lot of things in my life that I wanted to change. And I went through the steps, and I realized I really enjoyed this process. 
Maybe enjoy is not the best word. Let's just go with that for now. I like the intensity. Uh, I like the experience and the realness. And I started to work through a lot of problems in my life. And I started to experience some victories. I started to experience some victories over some small things in my life. And over some big things in my life. I experienced healing. And past healing, I experienced a deeper understanding of the gospel, which if you haven't just taken a look at the gospel in its simplicity and depth lately, I encourage you to do so. It is amazing. And it also gave me a deeper understanding of God's grace. And I started looking at verses like Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 in a whole new way. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So, I finished my first step study. And I liked it so much that I became a group leader and started going on to my second step study. Um, and I, so I started sharing my struggles and my victories with a whole lot of people that were also in CR. Because that was a safe place to do that. I started sharing all those Issues and hurts and habits and hang-ups with those people and continued on in that second step study and I finished that one and started my third and, and I started getting into this concept and this idea of starting with my struggles and ending with God's power and using that as a platform in ministry and so I started sharing some of my hurts and habits and hang-ups with people who were even outside of celebrate recovery and something really strange happened it's actually not that strange it's really logical you see when you when you're having a conversation with someone and you find that time where you can offer yourself up where you can be vulnerable where you can tell them about your struggles an amazing thing happens they're a lot more likely to be vulnerable with you it's like magic And the point is, the reason for that is that hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and struggles in this world, on this earth, are a universal language. You do not have to be a Christian to be hurt by anger. You do not have to be a Christian to be hurt by doubts, or guilt, or fear, or sin, or loss, or abuse. These are things that hurt everybody. The difference between me and all of my hurts and habits and hang-ups and someone who is not in Christ dealing with their hurts and habits and hang-ups is simple. It's grace. It's sanctification. It's being in Christ and being made a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Imagine if you're having that, that moment where you're sharing vulnerabilities with someone and they're sharing their vulnerabilities with you and they let you know, for lack of a better phrase, they think they're worthless. And you can share that verse with them. You can share with them the opportunity to be a new creation. That is a powerful thing. Lamentations three twenty two through 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never Come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Imagine sharing that verse with somebody who has just let you know that they deal with relapse into addiction time and time and time and time again. That God's mercies are never ending. And not just addiction to drugs. Talking addiction to eating, addiction to pornography, addiction to themselves, whatever it may be. Imagine telling them that God's mercies are new every morning. See, when we're talking to people, when we're sharing that universal language of struggles, our language is a little bit different because we're in Christ and we're not of this world. From a worldly standpoint, all of the self-help books psychologists, psychiatrists, motivational speakers, pills, everything. None of it doesn't even come close 
to making you a new creation. And that is where our language and our conversation differs. So when you share your issues with an unbeliever, okay, and you tell them about the difficult things that you are facing or have faced, they connect with you, right? Because that's the universal language. And when you tell them then about the healing grace of God that works through your struggles and the amazing power of God that has healed your wounds and the ultimate victory through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, basically your personal experience with the gospel, when you tell them that, they might just feel like they are missing something in their lives. And then that gives you an opportunity to be the beggar that shows another beggar where to get bread. And in this case, it's the bread that offers eternal life and salvation. I'm going to read this again, and it's the third time, but, but that's for a reason. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So at this point in our worship today, we're going to hear some very courageous members of our church and of our CR program share some of their very personal, very powerful experiences with us. Would you stand with me on this song, please?
This testimony is from Cindy Foster. Part of her struggle is with fear. I lived in fear for over 30 years. I knew what God said about forgiveness and was fearful because I couldn't forgive. I was angry, too, at being put in such a position. Here I was, the victim, condemned, while the perpetrator stood cleanly forgiven by God. At CR, I saw people who had been damaged like me, getting on with their lives. They made themselves vulnerable and shared their deep hurts and secrets, and they were being healed. I saw light and hope in them. I signed up for the Healing Grace Step Study and continued Thursday night meetings as well. I began to understand that the blood of Jesus, which, which washed away my sins years ago, had not lost its power. My longings to feel clean and be joyful, confident, and trustworthy gradually became reality. Instead of fear and guilt and isolation, I have freedom, friends, and a loving father. CR took the focus off me and put it on God. I still relapse. I get frightened and alone. But I have coping skills and a Savior who will never leave me or forsake me. My name is Adam. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ who is helping me to overcome fear. What am I not trusting God with? In my addictions to nicotine and marijuana, I let fear of change and failure keep me trapped inside my own walls. Through Celebrate Recovery, I have come to believe and receive God's power to help me, and I now understand I cannot do it without him. Psalm 25.2, I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. Life without Christ has no hope. I have chosen to not let fear keep me from the plans God has for me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that
testimony is from guilt. Do you have a secret? You know the one you don't think you could be given, forgiven for. For 32 years, I lived in guilt and shame over my decision to have an abortion. This guilt kept me silenced and caused me to live in unworthiness, wondering if there is true forgiveness for what I had done. As you know, Satan is the father of lies, and he kept me bound for many years in the chains of guilt and shame and in the belief that God could not forgive me for what I had done. It wasn't until I took Healing Grace Step Study and obtained a sponsor to walk with me through my guilt that I was able to surrender my guilt in full to God. My sponsor, who had not walked my journey in life, but did not judge me for what I had done, but loved me unconditionally and showed me through God's love for me He has truly forgiven me of all my sin and that his grace is sufficient. Through Healing Grace Step Study and Celebrate Recovery, I have learned not only to accept but to also forgive myself. I am so grateful for his grace that is sufficient in restoring me to a right relationship with Him. My name is Paul, and I am a child of the one true King. He is helping me in my recovery from guilt. I came to celebrate recovery with an addiction to gambling. When I took the Healing Grace step study and completed my inventory, I felt the need to admit my darkest secret of lust and pornography. I had hidden this secret for over 40 years. Since it was hidden, I was full of shame and guilt. Satan continued to have a grip on my life, and my recovery was sputtering. In Lesson 12, Confess, I read Psalm 32, 3-5. In this reading, I learned that my dishonesty made me miserable, and I filled my it. And it filled my days with frustration. Then I decided to come clean and admit my secret to God and my small group. As soon as I did, my recovery really started to take off. I finally had freedom from all of my guilt and was able to accept God's forgiveness and grace. Shackled by a heavy burden,
testimony is from Mickey Rindy. Part of her struggle is with anger. For as long as I can remember, anger has been my constant companion in dealing with struggles in my life. Anger first came to live with me when I dealt with my classmates teasing me about not having a father or looking like a foreigner. It was there when I was physically and emotionally abused by my mother. And anger continued to grow within me as I struggled with issues of abandonment and abuse in my relationships. My anger was forged with each passing incident in my life. And I learned to wield it like a fine-edged sword. I used it to protect my heart, but it extracted a high payment of loneliness. After I became a Christian, I struggled to set aside my anger, for it had become a fortress, too tall and too thick for me to tear down on my own. It wasn't until I discovered Celebrate Recovery that I found people who would share the work God had started in me. Gentle hands, hearts, helping to carry away all the heavy bricks surrounding my heart. Because of their love, acceptance, and willingness to listen to my hurts, I've learned, and I'm still learning, to trust God through the storms in my life, that I have not been abandoned, and that I am deeply loved. My name is Calvin Nagley. And I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. And one of the things he's helping me in my recovery is from doubt. As I look back over the years of my life, I now realize that I've had my doubts about God. Doubts about his love for me. Doubts about where exactly God fit into my life. And doubts about whether I even mattered to him. You see, I was molested when I was a kid. And I tried to hide that. For over 40 years, trying to handle it on my own. Oh, I didn't call them doubts at the time. I'm not even sure I, I realized that they were doubts. I just knew that the things I heard about this loving God and the manner in which I experienced God were not one and the same. Something was different. And therefore, I tried to make sense of it all in my own confused way and to try to make my life work by my own understanding and self-determination. And I finally learned, after 40-plus years, that this plan was not working. As I began my journey of recovery five years ago, I had 40 years worth of doubt to face and to overcome. To help me battle my doubt and fear, God led a man to walk with me that I did not trust. This man allowed the Spirit to lead him and was able to break through my barriers to reach me with God's loving touch. This man was a leader in the church here, but I did not meet him in this capacity. I met him through the Celebrate Recovery program. He continues to allow the Spirit to lead him as he leads in the church here, and as he leads in CR, and as he continues to be a leader for me in my recovery. Let's stand together and sing this song. <clears throat> the splendor of a
My name is Doug. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, recovering from anger and bitterness and anxiety from some unplanned job changes. God has blessed this church and this ministry in terrific ways over the past five years. We approach this anniversary. Anniversaries are a great and wonderful thing. Karen mentions to me that I should celebrate them more often. Notable anniversaries, such as five years, uh, pass the marking of time. We can look at the past and see how we've grown. We can take a moment and celebrate God's goodness. We can look at the future of the work. Every Thursday night, from one end of the building to the other, we have almost 100 people here. Uh, That doesn't cover all the work that goes into each Thursday night. I would be remiss if we didn't uh, note the people behind the scenes. Uh, The Bible class folks that send cookies and crackers and cheese, and you think, what in the world goes on on Thursday nights? But after a couple hours talking about stuff, you need a piece of cheese to get through the rest of the evening. You, uh, you simply don't know what the fellowship is like when, uh, when you can sit down with someone across the table and uh, relax, have a cup of coffee, and, uh, and a cooking. From one end of the building with child care to celebrate a celebration station where we work with the children at their level, down here to this end with the landing, and then to the uh, 50 or 60 folks on any given Thursday night at Celebrate Recovery. One of the great gifts of Celebrate Recovery to those of us who do some of the lessons and some of the devotionals is the new lens or the new uh, prism through which we see God's Word. Listen as Paul says this to the group, to the body at Philippi in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. And you may know that that Paul is under house arrest in Rome. He's writing back to a, a group of Christians that he's very fond of. And he says these words. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And that's a great verse. We, we imagine that Paul has finished his three journeys. He's under house arrest. He's not a free man, but he's not ashamed of his chains. He's working through the whole guard to make sure that they know that he's a prisoner for Christ. Listen to Philippians 1, verse 12, through the lens of Celebrate Recovery, through Calvin's comments and Kenita's uh, testimony and Jeff's lesson this morning. One of the primary goals of Celebrate Recovery is that I would be able to say this about my life that you would be able to say this about your hurts and your habits and your hang-ups. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Let's pray. Dear God, you are a great and awesome God. You have given us your Son, you have given us your Spirit, and you give us grace and comfort and compassion. Father, you are the means of our forgiveness and the means of our healing, but we praise your name this morning for the ministry that you have brought here in the five years of recovery in this place. We praise you for the 11 step studies that we've completed and the 150 graduates and the 400 newcomers that have come to Northside having no other question in their heart but can Jesus help me with my struggles. Father, you have given us all that is great and good in this life, and we glorify your name this morning even as we look at the future of this ministry. And I pray that you will bring us new workers and new participants In this work, in Jesus' name, amen. So, the people in 
our congregation, uh, who just a few minutes ago decided to share these testimonies, decided to put aside their fear of man. And they decided to put a piece of their very personal lives out there for everyone to hear. And they decided to not do that anonymously. They didn't do it because it was fun or because they wanted to glorify any sin or struggle in their life. They, they did it because they read a verse like James 5.16 that says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for one another and you will be healed. And it sounds like a really good deal to them. And they decide, I'm going to do what God says because of what he did for me. And if the glory of God can shine through my struggles, and if his healing power can be magnified through my personal story, and if just one person can find rest and refuge because what they faced in their lives is like what God overcame in mine, then I'm going to go ahead and feel a little uncomfortable on Sunday morning. And these were six people, only five of who are from our congregation. Six people of this many. What other struggles are in these pews? I encourage you to add, to, to think about adding your voice to the voices that we heard this morning. We were all hopeless before we found Christ, every single one of us. But we were all hopeless in different ways. And there's a story there. And then when we found Christ, we now have the greatest hope in the world. And there's a story there too. And I encourage you to know your personal story of how you went from hopelessness to hope. And I encourage you to share it with as many people as you possibly can. And if you need help writing that story, or if you need help knowing what that story is in your life, then, then you're continually welcome on Thursday nights. And, and I would encourage you to sign up for the next step study, because it's an amazing way to have that story. Uh, if you haven't found hope, if you don't know what I'm talking about, and if I'm not making any sense to you, and if you're hopeless at this very moment, or if you've slipped into your old hurts and habits and hang-ups, and you can't find a way back to God's grace and God's power, then there are people here who are willing to walk with you and talk with you and pray for you. So if that's you this morning, uh, please come forward as we stand and sing.